Welcome back to Archive, our lives, our journeys, our stories. My name is Andrew Yarbrough, and I'm a mental health ambassador and one of the creators behind Archive. I am also your host today. Archive is a podcast developed through the UAB Mental Health Ambassadors Program. The Mental Health Ambassadors Program is a peer-to-peer mental health promotion program that Dr. Robin Lanzi launched as an Honors College Faculty Fellows Initiative in partnership with Dr. Angela Stowe, UAB Director of Student Counseling Services, and Juhi Agarwal, who at the time was an Honors College student. The vision of the Mental Health Ambassadors Program is to positively impact the campus mental health climate for students and build a culture of resiliency. Students propose, develop, and implement mental health promotion campaigns for students across campus and social media platforms. Mental health initiatives focus on mental health awareness, resiliency, and self-care, as well as addressing concerns. Here on Archive, we bring in people from a variety of different backgrounds, such as race, culture, socioeconomic class, and more to talk about their experience with mental health. We want this to serve as a place where we can all come together and find relief in hearing each other's journeys. While you may not connect personally to every experience on this podcast, there are some experiences that can be shared universally. Oftentimes, these things are not talked about, or when they are, they're difficult to talk about. We want to encourage healthy discussion and dialogue about these topics because they are necessary conversations to have. That being said, some of the topics that we discuss on here will be sensitive and can become triggering, so we encourage you to stop listening if it becomes harmful for you to do so. If you need to speak to a professional, UAB has certified counselors at Student Health Services, or if the need is more immediate, Birmingham's Crisis Center can be reached at 205-323-7777, or the Suicide Prevention Lifeline can be reached at 1-800-273-8255. Now for the story. Today I'm here with my friend Vishal Sutram, a freshman majoring in biomedical sciences on a pre-med track. He one day wants to become a psychiatrist. Vishal, do you want to talk a little bit about why you came on the show today? Um, I would love to. Um, I came on the show today because of I feel like I have a unique experience with mental illness and that I've progressed a lot in the last few years and I have some knowledge to share with people that may want to hear it and I want to educate those and educate people on what bipolar disorder really is as I believe it's misconstrued in, main, in the mainstream and that it and the symptoms appear at a far earlier age than you think. So Vishal, when did you start to think that you might have bipolar disorder? All right. I actually remember this. So this was, I was about 12 years old and see anxiety would lead me. And this, I was anxious before, like I was playing sports at that age. I was playing basketball and I would be really anxious before my basketball games. And this, this was the start. And I started seeing a psychologist for anxiety, but after a while, the anxiety progressed to depression and I would be depressed for very depressed for about three to four days until one day I was perfectly fine again and I was thrust into a functional state. This occurred more than four or five times within in a, in a six month span. So this was, I was rapid, what they would call rapid cycling. And after about, after this continuously happened at the age of 13, I figured out there was something wrong. And after going to psychologists for anxiety, I realized I don't, I'm, anxiety isn't the main problem here. It's, it's the fact that my mood is fluctuating so drastically and so regularly, it's almost cyclic. So it was at that age, I found bipolar disorder and I found the symptoms and it really resonated with me. It really, it really resonated with me. But 
<laughs> I wasn't diagnosed until five years later because there's not there's not much you can do when a when a, with an adolescent who's with an adolescent because there's hormonal aspects there's puberty and it's it's a very uh, convoluted thing. Um, but yeah, I went. I remember one specific encounter actually. I went to a psychiatrist. Uh, my first time ever going to a psychiatrist. There is a distinction between psychologists and psychiatrists, by the way, if anyone wants to know. Psychologists are not able to prescribe medication. They, they, they can only really uh, give their advice and their counsel, whereas a psychiatrist can prescribe their medications, and that is their primary role. Um, I went to a psychiatrist, so this is the way I could get diagnosed. I was 13. But, and, I, and I explicitly told him, this, this, this doctor, that I thought I had bipolar disorder. Um, I feel like he dismissed what I said, and uh, I really did nothing. Nothing productive came out of that, and I spent the rest, the rest of the, rest of my three, four years. Uh, I felt like I, I felt like it was, uh, I, it was a missed opportunity to detect uh, my illness. But I'm not too. I don't like to dwell on it because look at where I am now. So yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I know a lot of people who, you know, they were younger and, and had trouble with that kind of advocacy too. Um, so I want to go back to something from earlier, from before. All right. Um, could you talk a little bit about your background? Where did you actually grow up? I grew up for the first 15 years of my life in Minnesota, actually. Nice. Yeah. yeah. How do you like being in Birmingham now? Um, it's different. <laughs> It's different. I mean, the South is like, it's always hot here. And like, you can literally see the steam, uh, like rising up from the asphalt in the morning and like, stuff like that. It's like, yeah, but I when I was in Minnesota, I, I was, I, I, it was great times. It was snow, we could go sledding, you could, you, you could do anything. Yeah. You see, sometimes with people with mental illness, they have these terrible childhoods. Nope, not me. I had a two parents, hardworking, uh, smart, and they raised, well, another hardworking, smart kid. So, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, there was nothing, my childhood was perfect. Like I played sports. I had, the only thing that was missing was a dog, but I got a dog my senior year. So that makes up for that. Uh, yeah. Like think about it. It was all sunshines and rainbows was a childhood. Um, yeah. Like my, both my parents are, my parents are immigrants. So yeah, great hardworking people. They, 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 they are, they're very, uh, very, uh, they're very not, they're not strict at all, but they raised a very disciplined kid. So like, I don't know what, like, there's always a, I didn't, I guess I picked up a few things from them in the sense that they, they let me, they let me be who I figure out who I was and they never forced anything on me. And that was something I really am grateful for my parents and my parents and my mother, my father, they're my number one and number two supporters in the and, you know, like my mom's number one, obviously. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I ask, uh, where did they immigrate from? India. Okay. I, I used to tell them all the time that I had bipolar, but they didn't really. But then they, they, this, this was the instance of like, okay, maybe he has a point. Maybe he has a point. Like at some point, actually, that's this kind of funny. I prepared like a PowerPoint presentation when I was like 14 about why I had it. I, pre I just emailed it to my parents i don't know what they did with it but <laughs> i don't know if they ever saw it but yeah 
would you say their background maybe changed their view on mental health? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I feel like uh, in India, especially, there's more of a narrow-minded view on mental health. But my parents, they do not harbor that, those views at all. They're very loving. They're very caring. And they want the best for me. So they knew that since I was acting like this, that it had to be something that was wrong with me mentally. And they admitted me and they, and it's led to this. It led to me thriving and changed my life. So I thank them for that wherever they are right now. So, so what were those years in between being diagnosed and, you know, noticing symptoms? Like what were the, what were those years like? Oh, they were, they were, they were, they were painful. Um, it was, it was like, you know, you know that, you know that I'll, I'll simplify this for you by, with bipolar undiagnosed, it is two steps forward, one step back. That's just how, that's just how life is. Like you will, you will, things will be going well, but you will know that there is a depression imminent and it, it's a very hard way to live. It's very unbalanced. Uh, it's, yeah, it's not, it's not a very fun thing. And it's not good. And like knowing when your mood is volatile, it leads you to like alienate people close to you. It ruins relationships and it, and it, and you lose your passions. Like I was a, I, I grew up playing golf. It was one of my favorite sports my, and basketball, but due, due, due to anxiety and depression, I had to, and stress that was caused due to these things. I had to withdraw from these things as, as life went on because there's a, there's a, there's a real relationship between stress and bipolar disorder and stress exacerbates all of the negative emotions that occur. Like if I'm stressed, there is a higher likelihood that I will go either manic or become depressed. And in the past, stress has led me to become depressed, but only in one instance has it led me to become manic. And I, we can talk about that if you want. Yeah. Um, really quick, we should make the distinction. We've talked about it in previous episodes. There is a distinction between bipolar one and bipolar two. Oh yes. I'd love to talk about that. All right. Bipolar one is, is, is technically the more severe form of bipolar disorder. See, and bipolar, and it's categorized with two distinct moods and everything in between. There is mania and depression. The symptoms of mania are you're hyperverbal, you are not sleeping, you have a decrease or increase in your appetite, and you just have an increased activity level, and you're just very energetic. And depression, it is just, it is very intense with bipolar, bipolar one. It can last from a few days to a few weeks. And during this period, you have, you're very lethargic, you're unable to concentrate and you're actually uh, hopeless, helpless, whatever it is. Yeah. And then bipolar two, I have a family member who actually has this. Uh, yes. So it is more, you, you have, there is no actual mania in, in bipolar two. There is hypomania, which is similar to mania, but it doesn't have the delusions or the hallucinations that occur that in hypomania. And when and someone hypomanic could be seen as productive, excited, ag- but they're also agitated. Agitation is a common, a very common uh, symptom in bipolar two and bipolar one patients. And then there's, de- there's depression in bipolar two. As a matter of fact, by people in bipolar two spend most of their time being depressed because, uh, yeah, because they spend they actually spend more more days out of the year depressed than they are hypomanic or on the happier side, which is really sad to hear, but it's true. 
Um, so, so with those two groupings, a lot of people describe their experience as, as very, you know, individual. So yeah. it's different for everybody that has it. Absolutely. Um, you described yours a little bit. Could you talk about which one you might fall into a little bit more and where that differs? I have bipolar disorder type one. I have, but the reason why I wasn't, and the reason why I wasn't diagnosed earlier in my life was because I never had a manic episode. Man, as soon as you have a manic episode, you are able to be diagnosed with bipolar one. But at everything else, you can, you can, they can, they can, they can throw an anxiety diagnosis or a depression diagnosis, but they cannot, uh, they can't diagnose you without you having an actual manic episode. And for me, the symptoms, how they started for me when I was, when I was 12 is it always, I have, well, we can expand upon this later. It always starts with sleep. If I would not be able to sleep that night, I would wake up the next day and be depressed. It was that simple every single time, like clockwork. I don't understand why it worked like that for me, but it really was like that. I would be so scared. At, and I can remember the nights being at, in bed, like my eyes, I couldn't, like, I could not, I could not get to sleep. And I'd wake up the next day and I'd be feeling different, depressed. I'd be a totally like, I don't want to say different person, but I'd be in a different mind state. Yeah. And that would, that's, that's how I cycled within from depression to from um, just being my functional state to uh, being depressed. So you mentioned it before, when was your first manic episode and what was that like? My first and only manic episode when I was, was when I was 16 years old. Um, there was, there was a lot of uh, stress and uh, some events in my life that happened. Not nothing drastic, but enough to like to excite me, not and excite me in a sense, in a negative way. Like have me always, uh, it had me not, not sleeping. I wasn't, I wasn't maintaining proper sleep hygiene. I was, uh, I was speaking a lot. I was, uh, yeah, I was, I, and there was some, yeah, there was some things in that time period that clearly there was a trigger and the trigger and it triggered, uh, and it triggered the manic episode. And the, the days prior, uh, I, the, the, actually, I was main, manic for probably a, a week to a week and a half. Uh, like, and I spent 10 days in an in a inpatient facility, which is to recuperate, basically. Um, basically, how I ended up in there was uh, my parents, they, they started noticing that I was uh, becoming uh, very, I wasn't sleeping. I could not stop talking. That was something. That was something they, they really remember. Uh, and uh, yeah, I was my I was very active. I was hardly eating, and so they they admitted me into the my local hospital. From there, I was transferred to a, a, a another facility called I don't know if I can should call the name, but it was an inpatient facility. And that and I will tell you this. Uh, that place was one of the most profound and important experiences of my life. I, during this period of time, I found out who I really was and what I wanted to do with my life. And yeah, I can expand upon that if you would, if you want me to. I would love it. Yeah, absolutely. On here, all right. So in during this, in this facility, I met people like me and people of all backgrounds. And I realized, I truly realized how blessed I was to come from the parents that I had and the back and the light and the way that I was raised. And and it's and it showed 
and it literally like everything came full circle all those years that i remembered that i thinking that i was had bipolar disorder and to an official diagnosis to this day i felt like a burden left me and and i've always been and since you know since then i've always been since uh when i was a kid i've always been fascinated with psychology and psychiatry and mental illness in general so i was and it's a funny story actually i was it was in the in the hospital they make you wear these they make you wear these scrubs and uh so i looked in the mirror and i'm like i would look pretty good in scrubs <laughs> like so i i was like okay i'm going to be a psychiatrist and i really and i i met these wonderful people these 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 were wonderful people and i really wanted to i wanted to help people like that and I, because i feel like i have a gift i have a gift in this that many people with mental illness don't have and that is self awareness and because the reason like the fact that i could identify and like organize my thoughts to to identify that i had a mental illness when i was that young it was something that i don't think many people could do and i could realize, i could use this skill of basically use the skills that i have and my knowledge of mental illness to help others and to raise awareness and educate others as they should be um yeah and i and it's funny and i'm still in contact with some of the people i met and met in that hospital to this day so yeah it's 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 uh it's a it's a great it was a great it i looked on it i didn't i look at it as success is how far you go after you've hit rock bottom i wouldn't say that was rock bottom but i have come very far since that incident as a person and and basically as everything in every, every way possible we um we've also talked about inpatient care on the show before too so it's interesting to hear your perspective on that Oh yeah, <laughs> there there is a lot of board games and like it's a it's a very I was in the I was a teens at the time so I wasn't in the adult ring but like there was a lot of board games um, we watched movies. Uh, so when were you actually diagnosed? Sixteen years old. Sixteen years old. Okay. So you you said before like you know that was kind of like a weight taken off your chest. Yeah, I mean, I spent so I've been so many years thinking, knowing that there was something literally wrong with me, and finally, someone something validating that 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 validation. It just it just uh, it was liberating, knowing that okay, I wasn't I wasn't uh, panicking or I was anxious over absolutely nothing. No, there was something important and significant going on infecting me, something latent uh, within me. And that it was really, and it really hindered me in certain aspects of my life, especially academically. Yeah. Um, so let's kind of move into that a little bit. What, what, how did that affect you academically? Oh, wow. Oh, you wouldn't believe it, man. Okay. Uh, so like growing, I was younger. I was always people, people around me knew I was really intelligent and I was told, and I was told that, and I was the kind of person I, I went through most of my most of high school, hardly applying myself, but yet I still managed to succeed. I still managed to achieve. It's and it's, but uh, after that, after as a matter of fact, I went. I got diagnosed. I totally changed. I I became. Uh, I started. Uh, I started. I started. I, I transformed. I became a better version of myself. I, I like my. I went to. I went to started going to therapy regularly, and my therapist introduced me to something that truly changed my life. It was a. It was a planner. He had me put a large like, 
planner on top of my on top of my in my in my room and every single day I would write down exactly what I wanted to do and I'd accomplish after I after, at the start, I'd accomplish one or two of the tasks. But after two or three weeks, I was accomplishing everything. And it made me extremely efficient. And it led to me to have better time management, which, was really, which really improved my academic performance. Because during that year, I achieved my, the, uh, a 4.0. Not, well, not higher than a 4.0, but I had all A's that semester. Right. And this, this, was the, this was a – people would be surprised to hear this from me because people always say to me, oh, Vishal, you, I'm sure you have great grades. You're really smart. No, I did in most of high school. And, uh, and uh, yeah, and I, this was – and I didn't until junior and senior year, the years after I was diagnosed. And it really shows how much the mental illness can affect you academically based on that. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um. So let, let's kind of shift gears a little bit. All right. What was it like, you know, getting ready for college, getting ready for that new anxiety? Was there an extra level of difficulty? Oh, oh man, I could barely sleep the night before I tried moving in. Oh, my God. It was a struggle. Like, I was so excited. I was like, because um, I don't know what it was about this but high school but I could never really connect with my peers in high school I didn't really have this we didn't have the same interests same like uh I had a best friend but we, I moved uh so I never saw him again <laughs> so yeah um but when I I was really excited for the academic opportunities in college but also to meet like-minded individuals like something that I, I was really, really looking forward to was having intellectual conversations with people and like getting to know people and stuff like that. Yeah. And I couldn't sleep thinking about it. Yeah. I, I really get that, man. High school, high school sucks. High school does suck. Can we just start? Can we just say that to everyone? If anyone's watching high school does suck. That's cool though that you, you know, you took your experience and you wanted to use it to help people. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what this is about. That's kind of what archive is. Yeah. And I knew that's why I knew I had to speak. Yeah. <laughs> that's really great. So, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, where you are today, how you've, how you've changed, how you succeed. Oh, wow. Okay. So I'll give you a rundown. Some people, people, people think people called people hated on quarantine, but for me, it was one of the most immense, it, it led to immense personal growth for me as a person. During this time, I used to be a prolific reader when I was a kid, but probably since the, since the phone hit my hands, I haven't been. So I picked up my reading habit and I read, I read a lot of books during quarantine. Most of these were like self-improvement books and stuff like that. And I also maintained a journal. Oh, but, and there's something I'd also like to talk about. When, when I took this medication, it was, it's called Zyprexa and it made me rather overweight and by January, I gained 30 pounds, and there was I and there was a point when I went to go get a blood test, and it indicated that I was actually close to pre-diabetes. Well, for me, this was a emotional threshold. I this is this is the point when I knew I had to change. So, from January to March, I was on an exercise and diet that led me to lose 35 pounds in four months. So that's so 2020 as weird as it's been, was one of the best years of my life so far. I, I lost 30 pounds. I, I picked up a reading habit. I deleted my social media. 
I did a lot of these things to enrich the quality of my life. And it's then I really, and I'm really proud of myself for what I've done and what I've accomplished. Yeah, that, that sounds really amazing. Yeah. Um, so day to day, what's it like? What, what is your bipolar like? Oh, sometimes I don't forget I'm bipolar. <laughs> like when, you're on your, when you take your medications and you rarely, you, um, let's see, there are certain situations like especially conversations when you can tell that I'm bipolar, like, like when I can, when I start speaking really fast or when I start, and I, people often tell me to slow down and slow down, slow down. But when I, when I get, yeah, when I get, when I get on a train of thought, it's hard for me to like stop talking and yeah. And, but I have with my medications, I feel like my energy level, uh, I feel like it really, it's, I feel like I'm thriving because I'm, I'm under, I'm not under, I'm just doing well. I can't, I can't explain it. Um, it's due to my, it's due to my, I'd say it's due to some of my, I do, I'm very, I'm very disciplined now. Uh, I sleep, I, to maintain my sleep, I sleep by around 8.30 to 9 o'clock every single day. I make sure to exercise regularly. And uh, I like to complete, I like to be on top of my schoolwork. If I, I in being, after being behind behind in school for so long it really instills in you the philosophy that if you're not ahead you're behind so i've tried to get ahead and like alleviate myself of any stress before before it comes because i know what stress can do to me and i know that uh i am capable of going ahead in any curriculum that i choose and doing whatever i want basically yeah that, that's really good yeah i'm doing great i'm doing really great I met some amazing people here. So do you have any advice for people that might be in a situation similar to what you were in? Um, if you feel that there is something wrong with you, always trust your gut is something I would say. And know that the nothing in life is permanent. Nothing is permanent. Your suffering, your pain, it is not permanent. And I always like to say it in this omen is this too shall pass. This will pass. And I know it's a chronic, whatever it may, it may be chronic, but it will also, it will, your pain will alleviate, it will be alleviated. Um, and if you, and if you ever are struggling, it is, it, it helps to talk to somebody, someone you trust, uh, and don't suffer in silence, please. Yeah. That's all I have to say. It's been really good to hear like where you've come from, how you've grown from it. Yeah. Um, are there any reflections that you've made over the years just about yourself or about mental health in general that you yeah. want? Yeah. I think that all these experiences with my mental health have made me more emotionally mature than the average person. Um, I think, and they made me, uh, giving me more wise because I feel like I have a better understanding of life in general. Now it's since I've, since I've been through so many of, so many of these things and it's, it's, it's prepared me for the future. It's had me, it's made me more focused on, on what exactly what it is I want out of life. And I did not have this direction, this focus before I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, before uh, when I was uh, helpless, hopeless, and everything seemed like it wasn't going to get better. But it improved. I, I improved. And I am, I am excited to see where I can go in the future. What can we learn from Vishal? Is his story about trusting your intuition even when people tell you the opposite? Is it about the path that you take to come out on top? 
What you learn is up to you. I'm Andrew Yarbrough. See you next time.